go ahead and take a seat. Man, happy summer. We are officially in summer. Parents, you exhausted yet? You doing okay? I mean to have a special prayer for, for you? No. Uh, man, it's great to have you guys here today. Thanks so much for spending not just part of your Sunday with us, but, but truly as we kick off summer, um, I know without a doubt you're going to be traveling, doing different things, out of town, at the lake, all the things. But man, we'd love when you are, are in town, be here uh, because we are going to be starting a brand new series today going through Psalms. So we're going to jump into that here in just a second. But before we do, just a little bit of an update. Uh, first of all, if this is your first time here, if you haven't been here in a while, we are still in the middle of a construction project. I know you can't tell that whatsoever by the different colored paints on the outside of the building, all the lift equipment you walked into next uh, as you walked into the building today. It's a lot of things happening. Um, in fact, tomorrow morning, a massive semi-truck is going to show up, and we are going to be putting in all of our audio, visual, and lighting equipment. So today... All of this stuff that's all either rental or our old equipment all gets taken out. All the new stuff comes in. All of our kids' rooms and student rooms, they start getting all of their equipment put in this week. Uh, so very exciting, but then there's also the reality of it's a lot of equipment and it's going to take a lot of time. So that means next Sunday, they are still going to be working to get all this stuff up. They're going to be working long days trying to get it all done as soon as possible, but they're going to still need next Sunday. So instead of canceling church and giving you a day off, that doesn't sound very biblical to me. So we're going to do something a little bit different. You know that the church is not these walls. Are we aware of that? You know that? We can have church outside of these walls. So instead, we are going to do um, an element of what we see in Acts chapter 2, where they enjoyed being together. They actually had fellowship with one another. So some of you that grew up in church, we're going to go back to your roots. We're going to have a good old-fashioned church picnic next Sunday afternoon. So we're going to have a ton of fun. So here's some of the details you need to know is next Sunday, do you show up here? No, you're welcome to, but you will be the only one. The rest of us are going to have a great time. We're going to be at Main Street Park. That's downtown Dawsonville. If you don't know where that's at, literally it's down 53. Get to downtown Dawsonville. It's right behind City Hall. A great park, great playground for kids, a lot of open space. We've got one of the pavilions there that the city's been gracious enough to let us use and rent. We're going to have inflatables for the kids. We're going to have an, a, a snow cone truck, a coffee truck. So bring some extra money for that. This is a bring your own lunch. You don't want me trying to feed you all hamburgers and hot dogs. You're going to get a much better lunch somewhere else. So pack a lunch, pick up a lunch, bring it over there. We will be there from 11 to 1 just to be together. We're not going to preach at you. We're not going to sing together. We are just going to be around one another. So hopefully you'll, you'll not just enjoy that. Hopefully you will join us for that as well next Sunday, even though we have to be out of this facility just for a little bit. Uh, we want to make the most of it. So join us over at the park, 11 to 1, Main Street Park, downtown Dawsonville. Bring a lunch, bring friends, bring neighbors. It's a great time to just hang out for a little bit. Um, on your way out, you're going to get a card that gives you all that detail, um, all right here in case you forget about it or you're like, I only heard like 11 a.m. What else is the rest of it? Uh, so you'll get this on your way out, give you all the information you need. Truly, though, if you do want to bring friends and family, neighbors, whoever else, grab a stack of these. You are welcome to bring anybody else that you want uh, and just enjoy some time hanging out as a church family uh, for a couple hours next week. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive into Psalms 1. God, thank you so much for how you work and how you move. God, thank you so much for community that you desire us to be with one another. You desire us to be in fellowship with one another. That church is so much more than just showing up and listening. God, you designed church, you designed this body of believers to not just hear from you, but to also be with one another, 
So God, would you bless our time next week even as we get to just sit and be and laugh and talk with one another. Thank you so much for the people that you've placed around us. God, I pray that you would speak to us. Let your Holy Spirit move in our hearts, open our eyes and ears to what you would say to us individually today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalms, if you got a Bible, um, take a look at it with me. It's almost like smack in the middle of your Bible, if that's like a easy way to find it, almost right in the middle. Psalms, let me give you a little background on before we jump in. So Psalms literally just means songs, right? It even sounds like that. So it's 150 songs, inspired songs by the Holy Spirit. These songs that we're going to read through over the, the, this summer, you're going to find that they're deeply personal. Right? There's different authors throughout Psalms. Most of them are authored by King David, David and Goliath, that King David, but not all of them. There's several other songwriters, even choir directors. Moses wrote one of them. Many of them are, are anonymous, but these inspired songs are deeply personal. And as you read through them, not just on Sunday, but on your own time, you'll notice that these songs and these poems, they kind of hit the extremes of life. You'll see somebody writing and pouring out their heart because they're in a really difficult or tragic season. Then you'll see somebody else writing just how great God is and how good God is and how blessed life is. And then you see everything in between. Throughout songs, for throughout these 150 songs, you see the extremes of life everywhere in between. You see how deeply personal it is. And the reason I love us studying Psalms is that no matter where you find yourself, no matter where these authors were at as they write these inspired words for us today, the response is always the same. Worship. When things are great in life, you'll see the psalmist write that the response is to worship God and to praise God. When, when the psalmist is crying out to God because they feel forgotten or they're overwhelmed or they're overcome by their enemies, you're going to see the same response worship and praising God. Man, that's so good for us to hold on to. No matter the season of life we're in, no matter the situations we find ourselves in, no matter the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, no matter what, our response is the same. It's to worship. It's to praise God for who he is and all that he is doing. So as we go through Psalms, you got your journals. You're probably wondering why you got these. You got one of these when you walked in. If you missed it, if you didn't get one, grab one on the way out. You're going to need this for the, for the entire summer. So grab your journal for me. Let me walk you through like what this is going to look like. So it is a bunch of blank pages for now. So the hope is as we go through Psalms this summer that you would also dig in a little bit more on your own. There's 60 blank pages, which is just about enough pages for you to journal once a day June and July as you go through the summer, right? So whether it's on a Sunday morning and you're taking some notes or you're writing a few things on here in regards to Psalms, that's great. But I would love that you begin to fill these pages as you respond to God through worship throughout the week. So tomorrow, if you jump into Psalms, then you get to write down a few things. So here's some things I think will help guide you through your study of Psalms. Let me put these up on the screen. If you want to write these in your journal, if you want to take a picture of them, write them later. We are going to always come back to these three questions as we study Psalms. These are great questions to ask as we study Psalms, and our response is always worship. Let me explain. The first one, what will you praise God for? If the response is always to worship, well, let's be specific. In each situation that we're going to read about throughout Psalms, you're going to see that the authors are specific in their praise to God, thanking him for something specific, no matter the good, no matter the bad, there's always a way for us to praise God and thank him 
So as we go through today, we're going to look at Psalm 1. We're going to start right at the beginning. What can you praise God for? You should be looking for that, and maybe you write that down, a word or a sentence. Second question is, what is the truth that's being taught? I find this true in my life, maybe, maybe you would agree, is that when I experience the highs and the lows, sometimes I forget the truth, right? When I'm experiencing the highs of life and the good things, I tend to think, well, that's because I did such a good job with something. Well, that's not necessarily the truth. When I'm in the lowest points of my life, I start to hear and believe different lies. And so what we will also see throughout Psalms is there's truth throughout that song. And those truths help guide our worship. It's not just about teaching us, it's also about guiding us. So as we go through Psalm 1 today, what truth is being taught? Always look for the truths within each of the Psalms. Last one is what do you need to ask God? You will notice this also throughout the Psalms. There's almost this plea, there's this ask, there's this need from God, a desperate need for God. So look for that. So maybe that gives you a little bit of a framework. You don't have to use those questions. Those are just like how I navigate through the Psalms. Is being willing to not just ask the question, but look for the answers as you study Psalms. So obviously we're going to do this every Sunday, but would love, like I said, for you to do this throughout the week. So you've got your journal. Let me give you another way to help study through Psalms this summer. If you've got your phones, pull your phones out. If you text Psalms, make sure to add an S on the end of it, Psalms. Psalms to that number that you see on the screen, 77411, that will opt you into a text message. We will send you one text message a day, Monday through Friday, and we will send you a different psalm to read each and every day. So if you're like, oh, I don't know where to start, I don't know where to, which psalms to read, there's 150, what am I supposed to read? We will send you a psalm a day, not necessarily in order, it's not like one, two, three, four, five, we're gonna, we have intentionality behind it. So it'll give you a little link. You click the link, it'll open up the entire psalm for you to read through, and then you've got your journal to begin to ask the questions. What am I going to praise God for? What's the truth that's being taught and shown and reminded, reminding me throughout this psalm that I'm reading today? What do I need to ask God for? How do I need to come to him? What do I need from him? So if that's helpful between the, the texting you a psalm once a day, between the journal throughout the summer, our hope, my hope for you, is you would grow in your worship and your desire to worship God this summer. Because I think you're going to see yourself in a lot of these songs. Like, man, that's how I feel right now. Oh, I've been in that season before. And it allows us to worship God no matter what those, no matter our situation, that is always our response. So, since we're kicking off the Bible teaching series of Psalms, we are going to start right at the beginning. So Psalm 1, if you got your Bible, be there. I think it's helpful if you see it. I'm going to do my best, to, uh, even on the screens, it's sometimes within Psalms because it's uh, a poetic writing. Even the lines that are how it's separated and how it's structured is helpful to study through Psalms. So if you're actually physically seeing it, I think it's going to actually be a little bit more helpful, but I'll do my best to get it on the screens for you. Here's something you need to know about Psalm 1 before we even go through it. Just so you know what we're going to look at. Psalm 1, as it begins, is showing two different paths, two different directions, two different ways to walk, two different ways you could go. Not a third, there's only two. And throughout this psalm, you're going to hear different descriptions of those two different directions and the people that go those different directions. For example, and they're always going to contrast each other. So you're going to hear like the righteous and the wicked. The wicked do this in this direction. Oh, the righteous live this way as they go that direction. You're going to see sinners and godly. Two different directions. Only two, though. So often we kind of want to add a third in there. There's not a third. 
There's this direction and there's that direction. Now let me help you understand sinners and wicked. Usually we save the word wicked for just the really, 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 really bad people, right? And we don't want to consider ourselves wicked in that way. Truly the definition of like wicked and sinners is anyone that is following their own will, their own way, or their own desire. That's the, defi- the biblical definition of wicked or sinners. On the flip side, righteous and godly does not mean we're perfect. The righteous and the godly are not the people that only do the right things. It's the opposite definition. The righteous and the godly are those that live according to God's will, his ways, and his direction. So understand those two definitions. As Psalm 1 is going to explain, here's what these two ways are. Here's what they look like. Here's how you can tell which way you're on. They're going to use those words, wicked and righteous, sinners and godly. But understand, it has not as much to do with just what you do, but it's who you're walking towards. It has to do with the direction. So let's look. We're going to break this up into different verses. I'm going to help you understand what each of these mean as the psalmist writes. Psalm 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not, and then look, follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. Now stop there, like I said, we're going to go verse by verse, talk through these so you understand. Again, we're looking for how do we praise God? What do we praise God for? What's the truth that's being taught, and what do we need of God? What do we need to ask him? So this first part, oh, the joys of, that's the word, the word that we translate, oh, the joys of, that's really the, if you've heard the word blessed, right, kind of a churchy word, that's the idea of being blessed. Oh, the joys of, the person that is blessed, the person that is finding fulfillment in life is like this, and then we have this description. They don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Now, this is a great example of how the different lines actually help us understand what the psalmist is writing in a poetic and even a visual way of the structure of the writing. See how they're broken up into different lines here? So you almost see progression. Some translations would even use these words of walking, standing, and sitting. Right? It's somebody who's not following the ways of the wicked or walking with the wicked. Now, when we walk... Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this, you just kind of walk and you don't think about it, right? That's probably most of us. We don't have to think too hard about walking. We just kind of pick a point and we're just supposed to go there. We can walk and multitask, most of us. We can walk and just end up, you're like, man, how did I end up over here? I don't really remember walking this direction. The idea here is this is where it begins when we kind of get off track, when we get off the righteous path. Sometimes it happens that we didn't really recognize it. I was just walking, and it's casual, and I wasn't thinking, and then I ended up, and I'm like, oh my goodness, how did I end up here? That's how it begins to start. But then if you notice the next line, it's not just those who walk with the wicked. It's also that stand around with sinners. Now, standing is a little bit more intentional. I'm choosing to stop. I'm choosing to stay in this environment or in this situation. I'm placing myself somewhere, and I'm choosing not to leave. So it's a little bit more of an intention at this point. But even more so, and you see the progression almost like a downward spiral by the end, or join in with mockers, or the idea there is sitting. Do you see how the psalmist is writing this? And blessed are those. There's joy in life if you don't just aimlessly walk and not think, or intentionally choose to be in this environment or this setting. Oh, but if you're not careful, that standing will just turn to sitting. And now you're in it. You have chosen this way of life. You've chosen this direction. So notice that, that progression. Now, please, 
please hear this. This is not saying, what the psalmist is writing is not saying, oh, please do not spend any time with any non-believers. You cannot be around them whatsoever. No, this has nothing to do with that. I mean, yes, our friends are impactful. Who we are friends with most certainly can influence us. But the idea here is which direction, direction am I choosing to go? That's the point. Am I choosing to go this direction or am I choosing to go that direction? Am I choosing to stand in this place? Am I choosing to take a seat and just be in this place and on this path? Or am I choosing to go another way? So it doesn't have to do with don't be around other people that don't think like you. It has everything to do with are you choosing which direction? What direction are you choosing to go? All right, let's look at verse 2. We get more description of what the path of the righteous look like. Verse 2, but, so they don't go that way. They don't walk, stand, or sit in the path of the wicked. But instead, look at what they do. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. I love this verse. I love this language, right? This should, this should impact you in some way. So often when we think of our faith, when we think of Christianity, we think of God's word, oftentimes, and maybe this had to do with how you were raised potentially, or some other church experiences, oftentimes we think of the obligations of our faith. We think of the chores of our faith. Well, I have to read the Bible. I have to go to church. We start to think of it in terms of obligation and chores. And I love verse 2 because none of that language is in here. Now, what word was used? They what? They delight. Say that word with me. They delight in the law of the Lord. That's not a word that says, man, I really got to get through this today. That's not a word that says, man, we just got to make sure we have, have time for this today. Oh, that's a word that says, I desire this. I want this. I'm delighting in it. It's not an obligation. It's not a chore. It's not a have to. It's a want to. It's a get to. Now, let me help you understand that word. Delight, here's what it literally means. In the Hebrew language, it literally means to bend or to be inclined towards. That's the word delight. So here's the image I want in your head. This, when you think of the idea of delighting in God's word, delighting in the law of the Lord, here's the image I want in your head. I want you to think of a large extension ladder, not the A-frame ladder. Husbands, help your wives if they need to. I probably shouldn't have said that. So extension ladder. I did test that on my wife. I said, hey, if I say, like, imagine an extension ladder, do you know what I'm talking about? She says, yes. I'm like, never mind. So an extension ladder all the way up. I want you to imagine that extension ladder up and then letting go of it. What's going to happen to that extension ladder? It's going to fall over, right? So you put the extension ladder up. Now I want you to imagine that extension ladder leaning up against the side of your house. That extension ladder is inclined towards the side of your house. It is bending towards the side of your house. That's the only way it can stand, right? That's the same way we are to approach God's word, that we have our lives and we cannot stand on our own two feet. We will bend towards something. You will be inclined towards something. The question is, what is it? Are you inclined towards God's word or are you inclined towards yourself or towards something else, towards money and power and fame and all the things we'd like to list? When we stand on our own two feet, we will always be inclined towards something. But we're told here, Blessed are those, oh, the joys of those who bend towards God's word, who delight in God's word, who, 
who lean their lives up against God's word. Later on in Psalms, this will even give some more language around this idea of delighting in God's word. Uh, Psalm chapter 19, verse 7. Listen to this language about God's word. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Look, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Again, there's no language there that says, man, we got to do this again. Just got to make sure I do the right things or else. No, it's joy. It revives our soul when we lean our lives up against God's word. But when we do that, notice there's another explanation kind of description there. Meditate on, meditating on it day and night. So this isn't a one and done. Again, part of the reason for the journal and the text messages and all the things so that, yes, we are focusing on God's word more than just for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, but that it has to do daily. That idea of meditating, if you're not clear, there's a um, kind of a worldly view of meditation, and then there's the biblical view and definition of meditation. The worldly view of meditation is empty your mind to nothing. That's the worldly view, right? The biblical view and definition of meditation is insert, fill your mind with one specific thing, right? So when we say, when we're told to meditate on God's word, it's Focus on God's word, not emptying your mind, but it's filling God's word in your mind and focusing on it very intently or very deeply. This might be helpful. Let me give you this. These are some of the things that I do when I'm meditating on scripture or when I'm doing Bible study. Again, you can write them in your journal or you can take a quick picture of them. You cannot go through any of these five questions quickly. You cannot meditate quickly. You have to stop, pause. You have to slow down. You have to give yourself space, right? You cannot meditate and hurry up. You cannot go through these quickly. When you read through scripture, what stands out? Let me think about that. What is standing out? When we're talking about Psalm 1 and the idea of leaning my life against God's word, what stands out? Oh, that word delight stands out. What does delight mean? You start to go down a rabbit hole of understanding what God's word means. What does this teach me about God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit? You're learning the character of God, the triune God, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What am I being taught? What am I supposed to know? Third question, what is the timeless truth? Scripture, yes, is written in context and specific times for specific individuals, specific groups of people, but there's usually a timeless truth that you can pull out of that. God, what does this mean for me today? What is still true today, even as it was so many years ago? What does this mean for me now in my current life situation? We're told that the word of God is alive and active. Meaning I could read Psalm 1 today and God could show me some specific things. I could read Psalm 1 a year from now and God is going to show something different to me because of my different situation, the different life stage, the different things that I'm going through. And lastly, what's my next step? We talk about that a lot. God, what am I supposed to do with this? What does it look like for me to continue to get closer to God? What does it look like to stay on this path of righteousness step by step, day by day, but it requires us to meditate? So that's what this path of the righteous looks like. Now the author, the psalmist, is going to give us a visual. You see a lot of this throughout the psalms, a lot of metaphors, a lot of analogies, a lot of illustrations to help visualize, again, it's a very poetic writing, to help us visualize the truth that's trying to be taught here. So verse 3 is just that. It's a picture of what we just read in verse 1 and 2. Here's the picture. 
They, again, talking about the blessed, those on the path of righteousness, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now, when I'm studying through this, that word prosper makes me cringe. I don't know if it does for you. It's like prosper, oh no. Then you start thinking of, well, the idea of prosperity, and like prosperity most, to most of us is just money and fame, wealth. And I'm like, is that, is that really written in here? Like if, if I follow God's way, if I'm on the path of righteousness, then I just succeed in everything that I touch and I get everything that I want. Is, is that the idea of prosper? That's what it sounds like. And they will prosper in all they do. Let me help you understand what prosperity means in this context and in a biblical context. Here's a great little trick. Sometimes you have to read scripture backwards. Not like doing your record player backwards. That's, that's not what I'm talking about here. But watch this go backwards. So if we start at the end, they prosper in all that they do, which means their leaves never wither. So therefore, they bear fruit in every season because they are planted along the riverbank. Do you see how that definition kind of worked itself out? So prosperity, according to the psalmist in chapter 1, is saying prosperity means that you are always bearing fruit no matter what. No matter the season, your leaves are never withered. You're always bearing fruit. Here, prosperity is tied to what is produced. Think of it this way. Everybody think of an apple tree. A prosperous apple tree will always bear what? Apples, yes. Right? You could not say a prosperous apple tree will bear whatever fruit it wants. That's not a prosperous apple tree. That's a very odd apple tree. There's something wrong with that apple. It's not even an apple tree at that point. No, a prosperous apple tree is one that bears apples. And you would say a really prosperous apple tree is one that is always bearing fruit, always bearing apples. No matter the season, I've never seen this before, that no matter the month, no matter the season, it's always bearing apples. That's incredible. How could that apple tree possibly do that? We're told at the very beginning of verse 3. Because they are like trees planted along the riverbank. So what does that mean for us? What are we called to produce? If we are blessed, if we are the righteous, walking in the ways of God, what is supposed to be produced from us? What does prosperity look like for us? Jesus gives gives us his own kind of analogy in this. John chapter 15. I'll put this on the screen. You'll have to turn there real quick. John 15 verse 2. Look at Jesus' words here. Notice the similarities. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Read this last part with me. You got it? Read read this last part. For apart from me, you're not reading with me. Is it up there? All right, try again. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see what prosperity looks like for a believer of Jesus? Somebody that's walking in the ways of righteousness, following God's word, leaning their lives up against his word. It's not that we succeed in everything we touch. It's not that we get whatever we want. It's not that we have, have health and wealth and fame and power. 
the things the world would describe as prosperity, we bear fruit that makes us look more like Jesus. The character of Christ comes out of us in every season, not just the good times. In every season, Jesus is seen in us. Let me read it this way to you. Maybe this helps. When we delight in God's word, we will be spiritually healthy. When we are spiritually healthy, we grow and our lives show the character of Christ in every season and every situation. That's what that word picture looks like. It's not you get whatever you want. It's we become more and more like Christ and it's evident and it's obvious and people see it. Psalm 1 is all about two directions, the path of the wicked and the path of the righteous. Now we're going to see the flip side of this. We've spent several verses looking at, well, those that are blessed and those that are godly, those that are righteous, they don't do this, but they do this, and it looks like this. Now we see the other side. We see the other way. Verse 4, but not the wicked. So we're contrasting these two directions, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. Man, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? It's almost hard to read. Like, this is one of those where you're like, can I skip over this part on Sunday? You know what chaff is, right? We just, we just saw a beautiful picture of this tree that produces fruit in every season. The leaves never wither. But then on the flip side, we are told of chaff that is blown away. Chaff, if you don't know, it's like these little casings that the, the seeds of grain are in. And so when you harvest the grain, you have to get rid of the chaff, and you don't keep it. Like, there's no purpose for them. They're, they're unproductive. They're not edible. You can't eat them. There's no value of them. And so the wind just blows them wherever it wants to go. So in other words, the path of the wicked is not productive. It's not prosperous. You're blown whichever way the wind blows you. It's a difficult picture. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in just a second. But then we see it all summed up in verse 6. Verse 6 tells us, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Again, sums it up, there's two directions. There's the path of the godly, the path of the wicked. There's not a third option. Path of the godly leads to what we've read. Prosperity in a biblical sense. Life, joy, blessing. The path of the wicked, it's very clear, leads to destruction. Here's the truth. Remember that second question we're supposed to ask as we go through Psalms? What can we praise God for? What truth is being taught? Here's the truth. That direction, not intention, determines your destination. Does that make sense? It's the direction you go that determines which path you're on, not your intention. So let me say it this way. If you were to get in your car, head out here uh, on Highway 400 right next to the church, and you were go to go the direction of south, you will end up in Atlanta eventually. At some point, you will end up in Atlanta, right? But even if you were to drive south on 400 and you were to say, no, but I really, 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 really am trying to go north. I'm really wanting, I'm desiring to go more towards Dahlonega. I'm going to head towards the mountains. If you are physically going south, it doesn't matter what your intentions are. Oh, but Pastor Brian, I've got a lot of people praying for me right now. Great. You're still going the wrong direction, yeah, 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 but I've been, I've been studying God's word, and I've been thinking a lot about it. Which Are you going north or south? Which way are you going? We can have great intentions, 
But at some point, we have to look at our direction. Go back to what Psalm 1 started with. Which way are your feet taking you? Which way are you walking? Where are you standing? Where have you chosen to sit and be? Is it on the path of the righteous or the path of the wicked? It's only two directions. So what do we do with that? Here's what I would want you to begin to wrestle with. And this is for you. This is not like, you should not be thinking of somebody else around you. This isn't a them or a they psalm. This is a me psalm. Does that make sense? So I'm going to talk to me, and I want you to talk to you. This isn't, oh, I'm going to text my friend, you need to read Psalm 1. This is, I need to read Psalm 1. Could you wrestle with what path am I on? Man, start there. What path am I on? I said earlier, we like to add a third path. The righteous, the wicked, and the not so bad. We don't see that. Yeah, 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 but like, I'm not that, I'm not bad as the wicked over there. Definitely not as good as the righteous over here, but I'm not that bad. It's not an option. I said earlier, the definition of the wicked and the righteous doesn't have as much to do with just the things you do, but it has to do with your heart. What are you leaning your life up against? Whose will are you following? Whose direction are you following? Who are you walking towards? So let me show you two passages that might help you navigate some next steps for you based on what path you're on. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Paul is talking to Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles. There's a whole thing there. We can talk about that later. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The word righteous does not just mean right things. Oftentimes we think, well, the really righteous people are the ones that just do the right things all the time. You know what the word righteous literally means? Right standing, which is what we just read here. We are made right with God. We can now stand rightly before him, not because we've done all the right things, but because we've chosen a path of following him. According to Paul, it's by believing in Christ Jesus by putting our faith in him, surrendering our lives to him. That's what makes us righteous. So if you're like, man, I'm on the path of the wicked and I just don't think I can do enough to make up for all those things, thank God for his grace. We are all sinners, we're told. Every single one of us. No one has made it to God's glorious standard. We're all wicked. We're all sinners. The righteous are those that believe in Jesus and put their faith in him. That's how we become righteous. The end of Psalm 1, verse 6, it said that the sinners won't be able to stand before God. It's because they've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. The only way any of us can stand before God is by putting our faith in Christ. Now let me show you another passage. In my Bible, it's literally one page over. Romans chapter 6. There's another part to that. That's how we are made righteous. But look at Paul's response to some rhetorical questions we're probably asking. Romans 6, verse 1. Well then, 
Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to our sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were also buried in his, joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. What that is a passage about is not being made righteous. That only happens through Jesus. This is a passage of living righteously. Once we are made righteous by the grace that only comes from Jesus, we are put on, we are transplanted onto the path of righteousness. Then each and every day, you and I wake up choosing to live righteously. And we do that daily by trying to die to ourselves and follow him. As Jesus would say, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. So which path are you on? If you're on the path of wickedness, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you. And he's going to pick you up and he's going to place you on the path of righteousness. If you're on the path of righteousness, Jesus, will you help me? Holy Spirit, would you give me the strength to be productive, to prosper, to bear much fruit as I follow you in all that I do? I'm going to lean my life up against your word. I want to give you a, a moment to pray. Not me praying over you, but for you to pray. And guess what I'm going to have you pray through? These three questions. Same ones we started with. God, how can I praise you? Let me tell you what mine are, right? I want these, you can cheat and use mine if you want, but maybe this gives you a place to start. I'm praising God for Psalm 1 because he places me on the path of righteousness. That he is a good God that loves me despite all of my sins and despite all of my failures and despite my wickedness. He places me because of my faith in Jesus. He places me on the path of righteousness. And I praise God for that daily. The truth that's being taught is I'm reminded there are only two directions. His way and not his way. There's not a third. What do I need to ask God for? Strength, endurance, wisdom, forgiveness. The list goes on and on. How would you pray through these things? Take a moment. Maybe you want to journal it. Maybe you just want to pray through it. Spend some time with God praying through these three, and then we'll sing together.